You're listening to teaching from Midtown Fellowship, a Jesus-centered family on mission in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're interested in finding out more about us, our family of churches, or how to partner with us, go to midtowncolumbia.com. I haven't met you yet. My name is Jake. I work at our downtown church and I help oversee a lot of the teaching ministry. And if you don't know, Two Notch, downtown, Lexington, we're all part of a family of churches. So we all work together and collaborate and and work together to help the gospel be made known in the city of Columbia. And so we like to do a lot of things together, serve the city weekend being one of those things where this is what we are doing together as a church family across our city, making Jesus known. And at times we trade off preaching responsibilities. So Ant right now is at our downtown church preaching. So thank you for letting us borrow him for the morning. You got me. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do here. Thank you. People don't clap at downtown. Thank you. It's like, oh man, okay. Uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 147. Psalm 147, I heard a quote by an author, he said to the effect that what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. How you manage your time and your money and your relationships and what you think about and what you talk about. What you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So this morning what I want to do is highlight a specific attribute of God, his omniscience, this idea that God knows everything. So Psalm 147, let's read this together. It says, praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. Which, by the way, let's give it up for the band. They did a great job, right? Yeah, amen. Verse 2, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble and he casts the wicked to the ground. So just in those six verses alone, we see a lot of stuff happening. And in verses two and three, the psalmist is talking about how God heals the brokenhearted, how he binds up their wounds. And what he's actually alluding to is the Exodus story. How God led his people out of Israel and into the promised land. And when this is being written, it's written in about 500, 600 BC. God's people are under oppression again. They're in captivity and slavery again. And oftentimes what the poet does is uh, all throughout the Psalms, they will look back on the past and they will look back on God's faithfulness. And the idea is to see, hey, I know things look bleak. I know these circumstances are not what you have in mind, but look at the past. Look at what God has done and how he's been faithful through it all. And God's not going to give up on you. That's what he is doing here. And notice that as the author recounts God's work, he starts listing off some of the attributes of God. So we see in one part how his power is abundant in verse 5. Abundant in power is this God. Then it says in the in the next part of verse 5, that his understanding is beyond measure. Another translation says his understanding is infinite. 
That there is no measurement, there is no limit to all the things that God knows. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 13 and 14 expresses a similar idea. Isaiah says, who can fathom the spirit of the Lord? Who can instruct the Lord as his counselor? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? In other words, no one can teach God anything. He knows it all. He is never surprised by anything. He knows all that ever was and all that ever will be. Now, just so we kind of can step back and see the scope of that, uh, a few things I want us to, to highlight. So, for one, we thrive on knowing the most up-to-date information, right? Like our culture is called the age of information. We want to know the most up-to-date information possible. And if we acquire enough knowledge, enough information, then we can navigate our lives and make the right decisions accordingly. Not only that, we live in an age where you can actually make information for yourself when it comes to blog posts or recording video. Like we have the capability to record information and just send that out into the world. In fact, I saw this one study. It was pretty incredible. It said, for all of the human information in the world, if you were to gather all of that data, all of that information, and set it aside, for all of that information to double in size takes only about 12 hours. Let me repeat that again. <laughs> for all of the information to double in size <laughs> takes about 12 hours. That's amazing. So think about it. When you go to bed tonight, by the time you wake up that morning when you're at work, all of the information that existed today will have already doubled in size. And Sunday, next Sunday, when you come to the next Sunday service, all of the information that exists in the world will have doubled in size by 14 times. Like, that is incredible. So just think about it. If all of the information we put out there into the world, if it were to just come to a grinding halt today... There is no way you could ever be up to date to catch up with the most relevant, most up-to-date information. It's just a sea of information out there, and yet God is omniscient, and God knows everything. He knows all that ever was and ever will be. He knows all the knowledge in the world. Not only that, uh, back in the day, like, remember encyclopedias? I don't know if you all remember this. This was like before the Wikipedia days. You had encyclopedias all of this knowledge, all this information in like a 20-volume set of books. But think about it. Now we have the internet, just this infinite supply of information and data. And yet when we think about God, God knows every single detail of all of it. He knows everything that's ever been written in every scholarly article, every blog, every Wikipedia page, every tweet, every Facebook post, every book that has or ever will be written on any given topic since the beginning of human existence. And we as human beings, like we, we like to discover information, we like to find new things, new information out, and yet God is never surprised in the slightest. And as humans, we learn information, we acquire the facts, but it's impossible to learn everything, which means we are currently making decisions. You and I, we are always making decisions based off the most up-to-date, relevant information. But when you look at the scope of all the information out there, there's no way we can ever be most up-to-date. So think about that. And yet God knows all of it. 
this idea of learning, of discovering new things, of acquiring the facts, that's a, that's a foreign concept to our God. He doesn't learn anything new. He doesn't acquire information. He only understands and comprehends and communicates information so that others can understand it. He knows all the information that ever was, ever will be. He knows every human invention that ever will come into existence. And like Isaiah said, he has no teacher. He has no counselor. He has no one to instruct him because he is all-encompassing. He knows all. He is the ultimate source of information. He's never had to figure out if someone was lying or telling the truth. He knows. He's never had to try to figure out if someone was 100% correct in what they were saying. He knows immediately. He's never had to wonder if someone's being accurate or correct. He knows it. He's never been perplexed. He's never been confused. He never had to say, well, let me just take in all the information and make a decision. Give me time. No, he knows all of it. But not only does God know more about the world than we do, he also knows more about you than you do. Look with me, Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 and 30. Jesus says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? Then verse 30, But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Every hair on your head, he knows. Think about when you comb or brush your hair, how you sometimes get hair falling out. God knows at any given moment, at any given time in your life, how many hairs are on your head. There are 7.5 billion people in the world. At any given moment, any given second, God knows exactly how many hairs are on their head at any given moment. But it even goes deeper than that. First Chronicles 28.9 says this, says the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. Not only does God know the external things about you, he also knows all the internal things about you. He knows every thought, every motivation. He knows what makes you tick. He knows about your past and he knows everything in its fullest, all your inward motivations, all your inward desires. God knows completely in other words, he not only sees every action of ours, but he knows why we did that action, what brought us to that action, what moved us and motivated us to do the thing that we did. And not only do we live in this age of information, we also live in this age of self-discovery where it's really important to know yourself, to know what makes you tick, to think about your past and, and how you are wired. People thrive on feeling self-discovered, that if they just know enough information about themselves, then they will be happier, that they will live a better life if they know more about themselves. So I know at our downtown church, people are really obsessed with personality tests, with the Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs, and people are all about, yo, what's your number? What are your letters? Because if you just knew your number, then this would just unlock all of this information about yourself, and then you will be a happier person if you just knew your number, right? It's silly. Now, I'm not trying to knock all of that. Like, it's helpful for a bit, but think about all of the things God knows. God knows more about you, and it's more than just a simple number right? God knows about you better than you know yourself. God knows about our past and the things about our present that are radically shaping us that we have no idea about. God is an expert on you. 
There are things about yourself that you might not ever figure out in this lifetime. And God is not surprised. God is an expert on you. He knows way more about you than you ever could. You think you know yourself, but when it comes to God's omniscience and all the things he knows, you have no idea. And not only that, God knows more about the world than you do. Not only does God know more about you than you do, he also knows more about your future than you do. Because of God's unlimited knowledge, he knows about your future and all of the infinite possibilities that your future holds. To give you one brief example in the Bible, 1 Samuel 23 is this really interesting story. David is on the run from King Saul. He's fearful for his life. King Saul is trying to kill him, and David is just on the run, just hiding from one town, one cave to another. And at one point, David is praying to God, and he prays, and he asks God, God, if I go into this next town, is King Saul going to find me and kill me? And God answers and says, yes, David, if you go into that town, King Saul will find you and kill you. And David, knowing that information, goes to a different town. So think about it. God knew what could have happened in David's life, and David decided not to do it. And yet God knew that too. So it was this future possibility that God knew that didn't actually end up happening. God knew that. Or to put it uh, in a different way, have you all ever read, it was this short story called The Sound of Thunder. Anybody ever read that? Or uh, heard the movie The Butterfly Effect? Yeah, it was this idea that if you went back in time and changed just this tiniest, tiniest detail, uh, you would, unbeknownst to you, just unravel all of these consequences and circumstances in the present. So in the short story, The Sound of Thunder, they find this time machine and they go six million years into the past and they say, whatever you do, just be careful. Don't step on anything. Just, just be really careful. And then they go on to say, because if you step on a mouse... You might step on this mouse and all of the mice that that mouse would have produced end up not coming to existence because you killed that mouse, because you stepped on it. And if you killed this mouse and all of the offspring that that mouse was going to produce, then maybe there's a fox out there in the world who's going to starve. And if that fox starves to death, not only do you kill that fox, you also kill all of the foxes that that fox is going to produce. So now there's a, not only is there a mouse shortage, there's a fox shortage. But if there's a fox shortage, maybe there's a lion out there who's going to starve to death. And if that lion starves to death, then all of the offspring that lion produces is going to starve to death. So now there's a lion shortage. And if there's a lion shortage, maybe there's a caveman out there who's going to starve to death. But if that caveman starves to death, so does all the offspring that that caveman produces. And so by stepping on this mouse, you create this domino effect. And you might inadvertently destroy millions and millions of human beings that never came into existence. And so it goes on, and all of this to say the tiniest, most inconsequential actions that you do in your life right now in 2020 could very well have extreme consequences years or decades or hundreds of years from now. The idea is you don't know, but God knows. Or think about it like this. You ever think about the sequence of events that got you here where you are sitting this morning that had nothing to do with you? So your pastor, Aunt, he was sharing with me this story how he was in high school and he was trying to figure out what college he was going to go to. And he really wanted to go to the College of Charleston. But we're not going to hold that against him, okay? Uh, he really wanted to go to the College of Charleston. 
he had no interest in going to USC or living in Columbia. But then Ant's dad was praying about where Ant should go to college, and he just felt this pull from the Lord, from the Spirit, telling him that Ant should go to USC. So Ant's dad was telling Ant in high school, hey, I feel the Lord telling me to tell you, you should go to USC. So that's what Ant did. He followed his dad's advice. He was at USC. He was a college freshman. He got a Facebook invite from a guy he knew named Marquise to a small group Bible study being held by Campus Crusade for Christ, this college ministry that tries to reach out to college students on the campus. So he got that Facebook invite from his friend. He went to that college ministry his freshman year. And the leader of the small group he was in for Campus Crusade for Christ challenged him to start up and begin leading a ministry called the Impact Movement. Yeah, Impact Movement, for those of y'all that don't know, college ministry targeting African-American students on the campus. Ant was leading that ministry for a while. Then he graduated college, and he was looking for a church, didn't know what church to go to. And he had a friend of his named Bianca who invited him to this church called Midtown, and they were meeting at this state museum. And so he was checking that out. And right before he came to Midtown, he got this album from Lecrae, and he was listening to a song called Beautiful Feet. And in the song, Lecrae is talking about the importance of church planting. And he had never heard about church planting before. And in fact, he actually got that album on accident. A friend of his named Kenny accidentally shipped that Amazon package to Ant. He, he wanted it for himself, but he accidentally put in the wrong address. And so it was, that album was meant for Kenny, but then Ant got it instead. And so he was listening to this music. He heard about church planning. Never heard about church planning before. First day he's at Midtown, he's hearing about how they really want to plant churches. And so he's all on board. He gets really excited, and the rest is history. And now... Ant's been here, Two Notch has been here, and God is doing amazing things in this community and in people's lives all because of that. But just step back for a second. All of the things that led to that. Like what if Ant's dad just didn't pray about where Ant should go to college? Just this domino effect of what could or couldn't have happened. Or what if he just declined that Facebook invite? It was like, no, nah, I'm just going to do my own thing. What would have happened? Uh, what if Bianca never told him about Midtown? What if Kenny, his friend, actually typed in the right address and he was the one listening to the Lecrae album and Aunt never heard about church planting? All of these things led to where we are now, these tiny inconsequential things. The point is, we just don't know. And there's a lot of Christian books out there about how to make the right decisions, how to know God's will for your life, how to make the right choices. And in fact, I see this a lot at our downtown church, just lots of people racked with anxiety, constantly feeling overwhelmed, thinking, well, if I choose this, that means I'm not choosing that. And how can I know I made the right choice by dating this person? And how do I know if I'm supposed to date this person? And should we get married? And if we do get married, how many kids? And oh gosh, I don't know. And should I stay in Columbia? Should I not stay in Columbia? And which life group should I choose? And they're just constant, this constant, feeling of uh, feeling overwhelmed as though they need to choose the right thing. And if they knew enough information to make the right choice, then their life would be better. But if you really dwelled on it, of all of the future possibilities, of all of the choices that you could make, if you really thought about it, even the smallest decisions of your life ought to freak you out. 
like your seemingly irrelevant accidents could very well change the world or plant a church, uh, whether you know it or not. There's no escaping it. And the idea is you have no control of it and you have no say in the matter. So because of all of the infinite possibilities that your life could hold, all the domino effects of what you do day in and day out, not only should it be the big decisions that should paralyze you, it should be every small decision that you make. Just here to make you all feel good this morning, right? (laughs) But thinking about God's omniscience, when you dwell on it, especially in Psalm 147, God's omniscience, the fact that he knows everything, it wasn't this tool to just crush people and make them feel small. Look again with me in verse 3. In light of God's omniscience, he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. God knows everything, and because he knows everything, he loves you for a purpose. He's he's wired you for a reason. He cares about you. He has a will and a purpose with you in mind. God's omniscience wasn't this thing to crush you, but to lift you up to say, hey, you're not called to know everything. You're called to know God. So in light of that, uh, two things for us this morning to take away. Number one, God's omniscience is an invitation to know him. God's omniscience is an invitation to know him. So in light of all of this, God's omniscience, this means you aren't called to know everything, but you are called to know the God who does. You aren't called to know everything. You're called to know the God who does. So spend time knowing God each and every day because that's what really matters. That's the stuff of eternity. Because when you do, you deeply connect yourself to the one who does know it all. The God of love and peace and joy. When you spend time in his word daily, over time you become this person of love and joy and peace. Who is less anxious and more relaxed and at rest in the world. And how God has wired you to be that even when things seem to go wrong, you can be at rest knowing, hey, I don't understand what's going on, but I know God does and I trust him. So all this to say, if you know more about a sports team or a show or a band or a celebrity more than you do God's word, that's a problem, right? Because none of these things actually nourish your soul. But God's word does. So spend time in his word consistently grounded in that. Another way of thinking about it, if you want to know God's will, you got to know God's word. If you want to know God's will, you got to know God's word. And it's interesting, in the Bible, when it says the word know, it's never just talking about head knowledge, just random facts, but it's about these facts should lead you to a deeper relationship, a deeper intimacy with God. That's when we talk about knowing God, not just knowing the facts, but that in light of the facts, it should draw you to a deeper worship and a deeper relationship with him. So think about... uh, My wife, so I've been married now seven years. When I say I know my wife, I'm not just saying, hey, I know her history or I know some facts about her. When I say I know my wife, it's a deeper thing. It's it's relationship. And that's what God is calling us to, to know him, relationship. He knows what's best for you because he loves you. And the more we practice the things he's called us to, the more we experience what the New Testament writer Uh, Paul says, peace that transcends all understanding. Peace that transcends all understanding only happens when we commit ourselves to knowing God's word. 
you want to know his will, you got to know his word. For some of us, if uh, the Bible seems really intimidating, in fact, if you go to the Two Notch website, there's a little tab that says resources. You go to resources, there's another little tab that says reading plans. We have like five or six Bible reading plans. And so if you are not regularly in God's word, just, just pick one of those plans. Just based off your season of life, what you can do with your schedule, but commit to it. Commit to it on a regular basis. Commit to God's word. Number two, God's omniscience is a call to trust and obey him. God's omniscience is a call to trust and obey him. It's this idea that I trust God, I know God because I'm regularly in his word. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. He knows way more about life than I do. Therefore, I want to trust him. Therefore, I want to commit myself to the things he calls me to commit to, even though I may not understand it, even though I may disagree. So when God calls me to regularly be in his word, yeah, but God, do you know my schedule? God says, yes, I do. As a matter of fact, very much. And I'm still calling you to obey me and be in my word. God calls you to be in community. God calls us to be generous people, to serve and to to love others, to give up ourselves so that we can love and bless others. That's what we've been doing with Serve the City Weekend. And it's this idea of even if you don't understand it, even if it goes contrary to what you believe, it doesn't matter. God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He knows more than you do. So trust him and obey him because there's life to be found there. And just pause for a moment. In light of all of this, in light of what God knows, can you imagine how ridiculous it sounds when we want to disobey God? Think about how ridiculous that sounds for a sec. The God who knows everything, the God who created the universe, the God who's an expert at you, the God who knows the future, the God who loves you deeply, the God who knows the absolute best for your life, who in his infinite wisdom and knowledge sent his son Jesus into the world to pay for our sin once and for all, the God who knows everything and is designing everything to all work for his glory, every detail of human history, all working for his glory so that one day his kingdom would come here on earth, who knows it all. And when you want to disobey, really what's going on underneath it is you're saying, yeah, but God, do you really know? Yeah, yeah, I get it. You created the universe. You designed life to be a certain way. You know everything, but, but my set of circumstances are pretty unique to me. I don't know if you knew that, God. Can you imagine how ridiculous that sounds? Then in light of the maker of the universe, the designer of all creation, our good God and king who knows everything, when you want to disobey, that is literally the dumbest thought that could have entered your mind. I mean, God bless you, right? So when the next time you want to disobey God, just step back and remember God knows everything. That's what's going on underneath our disobedience is this thought that we think we know more than God does. But the moment you have that inclination, the moment you are tempted, I just want you to step back and just remember God knows more than you do and that's okay. He knows more than you do and that's okay. Or not only that, uh, I know what's really trendy right now in our culture is a lot of people are walking away from Jesus. 
A lot of people are saying, well, I was following Jesus for a long time. I was going to this church, and then this, this life circumstance happened, and it was terrible and hard, and, and I didn't see the reason for why God was doing it. I didn't know the explanation for why I was going through this. And because I didn't know the answer for why I was going through this, I just walked away from Jesus entirely. This is becoming more and more popular with people our age just walking away from Jesus altogether because they entered suffering and persecution and they couldn't reconcile it. They didn't know why they were going through it, so they stopped following Jesus altogether. And in the scope of God's omniscience, can you just imagine for a moment just how foolish that sounds? You don't even know with any shred of certainty everything going on in the world or everything that's going on with you. So how insane is it to believe that you think you know better than God when it comes to pain and suffering? God is all-knowing and he's good, so we trust him. Trust that whatever you are going through, whatever doubt or depression or suffering and circumstances, all of which is completely normal for followers of Jesus to go through, know that you can trust him, that his ways are higher than your ways. And you might not get the answer on this side of heaven, but one day you will understand that God works all things for your good and for his glory. And so in light of that, you can trust him and obey him, that even when you are going through suffering, you can say, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I know the God who does. And that's enough. That is enough for me that I don't need to know every single piece of information going on in the world, and that's okay. And I have the freedom to say, I don't know because I know my God. I know that he loves me and cares for me and sent his son into the world to die for me, to conquer sin once and for all, to raise out from the grave, to give me new life. I know that, that there are so many things in the world I don't know, but beyond uh, any shred of doubt, I know with 100% certainty that God loves me that I am a child of God, that he is never going to abandon me. He's never going to forsake me. So that no matter what I'm going through in life, it is fine. It's fine. It's not ideal. It's not what I want to go through. But man, I know God has a reason and I know he is good and I know he loves me. And that's where we go all the way back to verse 1 of Psalm 147. In light of God's abundant power, in light of the fact that God knows everything. It leads us to worship. That's what verse 1 says. That when you gaze at the beauty and the glory of God, that it should well up within our hearts this posture of worship. To sing praises to our God in the midst of our doubt, in the midst of our suffering. No matter what we are going through, a song of praise to God is fitting because he is a good king who loves us and we can know that. If you will pray with me, and then we will get to respond in singing praises to Jesus. Pray with me. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you that we aren't called to know everything. We're just called to know you, and that is enough. God, I pray by your spirit, will you work in us to be a people who seek after you more and more and more, that there is abundant life to be found in you. Help us be a people who are marked by your word, to desire to know your will, to be people marked with love and peace and joy by going and seeking your face daily in your word. 
Spirit, will you work in us to be the people you want us to be in our city for our good and for your glory? This is our prayer, Jesus. Will you make this a reality? I pray this in your name. Amen.